and we'll get um, going from there. What'd you say? Uh, do you need your phone? Uh, yeah, you can have it. Now I can't read Meredith's text to you. What? No, here it's fine. What did What did she say? What Abby say? What'd you say? Abby? I just said your whispering was really effective. I was talking to Paige. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, and the microphone is between us. <laughs> <laughs> it says a lot of good, doesn't it? All right, so uh, let's pray, and uh, let's jump back in and see if we can't wrap up Romans chapter 5 today. So, Father God, I love you. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for um, just loving us. Lord, your grace and your mercy is um, it's more than we deserve. Um, and, Lord, we're really going to look at some of that today. And, and God, you, you are so good to us. Um, Lord, it's... Uh, um, it's the least we can do is to turn around and uh, pour out uh, love on your body, Lord. I thank you for the Passpoint class being able to uh, love on the barns. Um, but, Lord, it's no different than they would do for anybody else in the class. And so, uh, God, it's uh, I really do count it a blessing. I was just kind of thinking last night, um, it's just really awesome to be a part of what you're doing here and just allowing me to uh, have a, a small portion in it is, is really cool. So, God, I do pray that you would just... Uh, uh, speak to us today as we get into the the Word of God, Lord. Um, without the Word of God, all these other things would just be things. But and God, this is the common theme that that keeps us going. And so I pray you just speak to us today. Lord, would you pray for uh, those who uh, are here virtually? Lord, we we long for the day that we can meet together again soon, and hopefully that is soon uh, here in just a few weeks, possibly, God. But uh, we do long for that, and uh, Lord, we do um, pray for those who who are present, those who aren't present, Lord, everybody's got things going on in life, and uh, God, I pray for the barns this week as uh, Holly's going to have the babies, and Lord, we know that uh, you can do all things, so we pray that you would just uh, allow the delivery to go uh, perfect, uh, and that the babies would be perfect, and uh, God, that you would get the honor and the glory for it, uh, that we would just turn and uh, praise you for those things. Uh, Lord, we do pray for the doctors and the nurses in the hospital and uh, all of those things. Lord, we pray for uh, the, the folks in our class who uh, are even uh, working in the hospital doing the things that they do and Lord to them it's just what they do but um, Lord uh, it's good to, to recognize those things pray you keep them healthy keep their families healthy um, Lord I thank you for uh, allowing um, really um, I don't everybody in the Passpoint class that, that I know of uh, to continue to work and to continue to provide and God you just uh, you just take good care of us so I pray you just speak to us today uh, Lord just uh, put me out of the way and allow your word to uh, to just uh, shine forth uh, in, a, in a dark time in Christ's name amen okay so <clears throat> excuse me so here we go Romans chapter 5 um, we are uh, let's see we are in verse 15 so uh, as a way of quick well, I'm actually I'm not going to review yet because uh, I gave you guys, and I think I got a little bit of time here. I gave you guys a little bit of I'm even going to call it what it was some homework uh, last week as far as um, some things to do. Now, normally it's just reading and finding keywords and things like that, and uh, some of you all are getting bored with that, which you know you shouldn't be bored with it because it's the Word of God and uh, it's really cool to find things on your own. Um, but last week I gave you something a little different, and then I realized. Uh, Thanks to somebody in the, the class texting me this week that I didn't give you a lot of uh, help with this. I just said, hey, um, find as many types that you can, the ways that uh, Adam is a type of Christ. And so some of you, uh, and I'm not trying to, to put any of you in different tiers, right? I, I'll just be completely honest with you. I was uh, as ignorant to the Bible as anybody when I got saved, right? I knew nothing. I didn't know who Noah was. I didn't know any of that stuff, okay? But uh, some of you have been through uh, D2, and you kind of know what I'm talking about when I say that. And some of you, I didn't really process the fact that it's like, that's kind of foreign language to you. So I do want to take a little bit of time before I get into Romans 5 and just talk about what types are. And then hopefully if maybe some of you can, can bounce some things off of me. And if not, I'll give you some of these. But I do apologize for being that guy. And so uh, uh, before we get too much into this, so let's get into this kind of type discussion. So here's what a type is, if you didn't know. And there's a lot more to it, but just something to kind of help you out. A type is something in the Old Testament that prefigures 
something in the New Testament. It's something from the Old Testament that uh, basically foreshadows, that uh, gives us a, a little inkling of what's going to happen in the New Testament. right? And so uh, a quick example of that would be like Adam and Christ. So uh, we'll talk about how those are, are things before. right? And so it doesn't mean that there's only one thing. There are so many different types of Christ in the Bible, and then there's types of the Antichrist. There's types of, you know, we know that the Word of God is a, a type of... Uh, um, the, uh, like food. We talk about that in D1, right? And it like feeds us. It, it does those things. So that's kind of what a type is. A type is a forecast of future doctrine. It kind of allows us to see what's coming, right? And so let me give you a, a few types of types to kind of help you out here. Um, that didn't help, I'm sure. But here's a few types of types. And I know I'm going through this quickly, but it at least maybe allows you to, to track with what I'm saying. And if you really want to know more about what I'm saying, um, you really should sign up for D2 next year because uh, we really do get into a lot of this type stuff in D2. Uh, and it really, really do kind of open up a window uh, to what we're talking about. So anyway, uh, here's a few types of types. So there are different things. A type can be a person. Like we know that Adam is a type of Christ, that Melchizedek in the book of uh, 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 Genesis is a, is a type of Christ, that Isaac and Joseph, those are types of Christ. You know, and we can... I don't, I don't want to take all, all the time today to tell you how each one of those is a type of Christ, but shoot, Joseph is a type of Christ in more than probably a hundred ways, right? And so as you study those things out. But there could also be an event, right, as a type, you know? So we know that the Passover, we talked about this just a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Easter, the Passover is a type of what? Of what was going to happen with Christ in the uh, the resurrection, right? Where he was going, the death angel was going to pass over. That was a type. It was something that pictured in the Old Testament what God was going to do in the New Testament, right? If you applied the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb to the doorpost, then it would allow you uh, to have the death angel pass over you, right? That's a type, an event. So other things, Israel crossing the Red Sea is a type, right? Um, I'm sorry. That's that's yeah. That's that that's an event or a type, right? So another thing that could be a type is a thing, right? The brazen serpent, the furniture in the tabernacle, all the furniture in the tabernacle, those all picture something in the New Testament, right? And so if you really want to get into this study, uh, we can do that, but not today because I got things to get to. But if these are things that are like I really am kind of intrigued by that, uh, we can get into all that if you want to. So, but the furniture in the tabernacle, the rock that rolled with Israel in the wilderness, those. Those are all things that are a type of something in the Old Testament that picture something in the New Testament. And it can also be a ritual, right? Uh, the sacrifices and offerings, uh, that is a ritual that is a type of something. Circumcision in the Old Testament back in Genesis, right? We talked about that last year when we were teaching the Genesis. Um, or when we were teaching through the Bible, and then even before that when we were teaching through Genesis, um, this, the, sac the circumcision is a, is a ritual that is a type of something, right? And so those are what types are. And so... Let me give you a little bit more here, and we'll talk about how Adam is a type of Christ. The type is uh, has a shadow, but the anti-type, which would be the opposite, or the, not just the opposite, but the thing that is typifying, uh, has the substance. Uh, a type is just the image and outline. The anti-type is the exact letter for in reality. For example, there are 18 major types or pictures of the Antichrist in the Old Testament. It's just a coincidence that that's 6 plus 6 plus 6, right? I'm sure that's what it is. But anyway, we can get into that a different time. Uh, each one foreshadowing something significant about the man of sin when he comes. There are 21 major types of Christ. Uh, just one of those, Joseph, is a type of Christ in at least 100 different particular ways. There are many types of the, the Word of God in the Old Testament. A seed, a sword, a lamp, the fire, the hammer, the mirror, the uh, gold, milk, bread, strong meat, apples, honey, rain, snow. All these things are types of the Word of God. And you might be like, holy smokes, this is really a lot. So I'm just I'm throwing a lot at you, but, but we can circle back around if, if you want to. So a, a, a type, types open up for you an understanding of the Word of Truth, just like typing a letter uh, opens up a concept to the, the person who reads it. So if you want a, a way to kind of help you understand what a type is, right? So uh, the real thing... Uh, so if you remember, and I, I'm not this old, so don't laugh at me, but I, I know I've, I've, I've seen these things before, what a typewriter was. You know, before we had computers and keyboards, when you hit the, the, the letter or the number on a typewriter, the little, little whipper bill would swing up 
and it would like hit the paper and it had ink on it and then it would, it would it would leave the imprint of the letter right and as you type these little things would flap up and it would and it was you got to look it up on Google or something if you don't not tracking with me anyway so that's that's kind of like if you want a way to picture this thing right the the real thing would be the little deal that flips up. The letter doesn't ever change. But the, the image that it makes, those would be like different types, right? Um, and that's just kind of a way to kind of help you understand what I'm talking about. So anyway, Adam, let's get back on track because I want to get into what we're te- teaching today. Adam is a type of Christ because Adam communicated to those he, uh, whom he represented what belonged to him. What belonged to Adam? What was it that belonged to Adam? Well, it was... Uh, the garden and everything that was in it, and then it was death because he couldn't obey. Right? So Adam communicated what he represented. Well, that's cool because now we get death through Adam. Well, we're going to talk about that today. So, did anybody, uh, surely somebody came up with some, you know, and, you know, Chris made a really good point. You know, if we could find out if Adam had a belly button, that would be like another type that him and Jesus were together. But, you know, who knows? Anyway, uh, does anybody have a few ways that uh, Adam is a type of Christ? This is where y'all need to answer. Somebody. They are both called sons of God. That's right. That's that's another really good type. Neither one had a human father. Hmm. That's interesting. Both were sinless. One was sinless for just a little bit of time. That's right. That's really good. He was for a short amount of time. We're born in sin. We don't we we don't ever live a a time period in our life where we're not sinners. But Adam was for a short amount of time. You're correct. They were both born sinless. Yes, they were both born sinless. That's correct. That's a better way to put it. Um, Adam was a bridegroom like Christ is. That's good. Yeah. Those are really good. Um, so now you, hopefully those things kind of help you see that the ways that we're talking about. I'll give you a few more um, just to kind of help you to track with this, right? And then we'll jump into this. So uh, if you look at the two men, Adam was, and these are kind of like opposite types, but it still pictures the same thing. Adam was what? He was disobedient unto death, but Christ was obedient unto death. Uh, Adam uh by him came death, and in Christ, by him came resurrection. Um, Adam fell and bought, brought disorder. Christ arose and gave order. And these are uh, these are going to help complement what I'm doing today because I'm showing you uh, kind of the opposite side of things. But the things that you gave me were perfect as far as the way that they typify. Um, you know, Adam was the first man, and Jesus Christ is known as the last man, right? Because there's a reason that he'll be known as that. Uh, we, we know them as the two Adams, the first Adam and the last Adam. Um, but I'm, I'm showing you contrast, and you're going to find out why here in a little bit. But uh, because of Adam, we have the consequences of sin. Uh, because of Christ, we have the blessings of fullness. Uh, in Adam, we have our old man in Romans 6.6. 6. In Christ, we have our new man in Colossians 3.10. In Adam, we're carnal. We walk after the flesh. In Christ, we're spiritual. We walk in the Spirit. Um, when In Adam, we have ruin. In Christ, we have restoration. In Adam, we have alienation. In Christ, we have reconciliation. In Adam, we have weakness of the flesh. In Christ, we have the power of God. In Adam, we have emptiness. In Christ, we have fullness. In Adam, we have lost dignity. In, in Christ, we have gained heavenliness. In Adam, we are lower than the angels. In Christ, or in Christ we're going to judge angels. Right? In Adam, we have insecurity. In Christ, we have... Uh, ever, we're everlasting uh, in His arms, right? And so those are just some things, and I could have went on, but those are just I wanted to point out some as we go, because I want you to know that Adam is a perfect, not not a perfect, but Adam is a good type of Christ for all those things that you guys listed. And then when the type breaks down, because that's something you need to know that all types eventually break down, you know, because nobody is Christ other than Christ. Nobody is the Word of God. Nothing is the Word of God except for the Word of God. Nothing is, you know. So you need to understand that that all types will break down, but it doesn't change the fact that it looks a whole lot like it, right? My son looks a whole lot like me, but it doesn't mean that in the end he's not going to act just like me. He might act a lot like me. Um, he's kind of hard-headed like I am at times, but uh, in the end the type will break down, so you have to understand that. So 
With that being said, does anybody have anything else they want to add to the types discussion? Because I did want to, I, I know I always say we're going to go back and talk about it, we never do. So, um, anybody have anything else they want to add before we jump into today's teaching? I don't have a video feed, but I feel like Meredith is pointing to something on a notebook paper. Well, what is it then, if she's pointing to something? Did you find any, Meredith? You have to at least say no if you didn't. Okay. I can read some off that she found. I can't hear him. What? Yes. Okay. So she had um, what she wrote down was power over. Um, it said that Adam was going to have power over the earth and animals in the garden. Uh, and then Jesus in, in Matthew twenty eight eighteen says Jesus will reign over the earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So they both kind of had dominion over the earth, or that they were being given dominion over the earth. Hmm. That's good. That's good stuff. Alright, well if you guys have anything else, you can put them in the, the comments or whatever so everybody can see them. I need to get rolling because I've only got about 35 minutes and so we'll see what happens. So here's what I've got for you today. We're going to jump right back into Romans chapter 5, but here's what I've got for you today. Five contrasts, so now you see what I was talking about, of the two Adams. Five contrasts of the two Adams because we know that Adam, the first Adam, uh, he was the guy that God created. And then the second Adam would be the second man that God created, right? Now, it doesn't mean that we're not all created, right? We are all of God, but you had the first Adam and the last Adam. And so, as a quick review, remember... Uh, Paul got everybody in the same boat. Everybody was ready to hear what he had to say in the first three chapters. And in chapter 4, he talked about how we're all justified the same way. It's, it's by faith or through faith. right? It doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, uh, lost, saved, anything else. The only way you're ever going to get to God is through justification. Then we got into chapter 5. And he was like, okay, so now that I've told you that you're all justified, let me give you a quick uh, update here of why you're justified, right? And the benefits that came with it. And so he got into all the benefits of justification. He did all that. And then last week, I wanted to just jump in in verse 12 and get to the end of the chapter. But, well, that didn't work. Right? I, couldn't, I couldn't get through it because there were some things about sin that we just needed to talk about. I only got through three verses last week because we really had to talk about you know, what sin is, what it does. And, and I didn't tell you anything you didn't probably already know. But hopefully I reminded you of some things that uh, you knew that you knew, but you didn't know that you didn't know. If you're tracking with me. And if you're not, then I don't even know if I'm tracking with myself. So anyway, uh, so anyway, so now we get into, uh, what Paul's really wanting to talk about. He's like, okay, so here's the deal. We, uh, we talked about your benefits, your justification, and all this, but, uh, I got something I really need to say in chapter 6 and chapter 7. We're, in just a, just a quick foreshadowing. Chapter 6 and chapter 7 are gonna start talking about this battle we have in our flesh, right? The fact that yes, we're saved and sealed and sanctified or, or working towards sanctification, but man, we're not, uh, we're not there yet. And we still walk around in this carcass that is in the world. And so we're gonna, we're gonna look, walk through, chapter six and seven are really gonna take us through that battle, right? And before we get there, Paul's like, I need an illustration. I need something that I can, that I can use that people really need to get a hold of before we can talk about that. And he's like, oh, I got just the thing. We'll use Adam. We'll use the first Adam. We'll use the last Adam. We'll, we'll use the fact that you've got to be in one or the other. Right? And so that brings us unto today and, and where we're at. And so let's jump right in. I've got five contrasts of the two Adams in uh, Romans chapter 5. Let's jump in and uh, uh, let's just read in verse 12. I'll go through the three verses we talked about last week and I'll read a little bit more. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sent into the world, talking about Adam, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for all of sin. So we're all in sin in Adam. You guys know that. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him uh, that was to come. So we've only talked about the first Adam last week, right? We talked about the fact that really in Adam, we don't have anything good, right? We, there's nothing good that we get from our... Father, Adam. And you're like, well, my dad's name's not Adam. Well, his daddy's 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 name is. So stop arguing with me. Okay, so we get to there. And he's like, okay, so this is what you get in Adam. But, right, you got to watch your butts in the Bible. Verse 15, that's where we're going to start today. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. 
For if through the offense of one many be made dead, or many be dead, talking about in Adam's offense, now we're all going to die, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So he's saying because we all through Adam die, well, guess what? But you all through one man can have life. Let's go on in verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, meaning you don't get it through just a dude who lived a good life. You get it through Christ because he's sinless, right? He has to throw that in there. And not that it was one uh, was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is uh, of many offenses and a justification. So here's your first contrast I want to give you today, right? And so these aren't you know quite as uh, pinpointed, easy to write down as they normally would be, but here's your first contrast. The first one is uh, the gift of death and the gift of new life, right? That's your first contrast we're going to talk about. The, the gift of death and the gift of new life. The first contrast we see is the gift we receive from each atom. And you're going to have to track with me because I'm talking about the atoms, right? First atom was Adam with Eve, right? The second Adam is Jesus Christ. Okay, so in the first Adam, we received the gift of death through sin. What a gift. It's like the Christmas present you never wish you would have gotten from your grandma. But now you got to wear it because you don't want to make her feel bad, right? She got you this really ugly sweater and it's like, man, I don't want this thing. But what are you going to do but wear it? Because you don't want my grandma to feel bad. you got to do something. The second Adam also gave us a gift, meaning Christ. And that gift is the gift of new life. But the second Adam, he's a little bit different than the first. He's not going to make you wear the ugly sweater if you don't want to. He just makes it available. But it's up to you whether you put it on or not, right? The second Adam, you know, the first Adam comes and he gives you an ugly sweater for Christmas. The second Adam comes up, he rolls up with the new iWatch or the new Apple Watch. And he's like, hey, you can have this if you want it. But if you don't want it, you don't have to take it. It's up to you, man. I'm not going to make you wear it. You know, your old grandma, she made you wear it. You, it's up to you. you got to track with me here. You see, Adam passed along his worst trait to you, the first Adam, and said, you have no choice but to wear it. But Christ, he's different. Christ says, here's the best I could do. you got the best Christ could do. And man, how good is it? But you can only have it if you want it. I'm not going to force you to take it. you gotta, you got to really track with what happened. You, see, I know you guys know this, but the question is, do you know it? Christ said, hey, here's the free gift. Man, it's, it's right here. You can have it, but it's only yours if you take it. Well, yeah, I know that. Well, do you really know it, though? Because it's right there. All you have to do is take it. Why do so many people in the world see it and not take it? Well, because, well, well, because what? It's right there. It's a free gift. Here's the problem with our society. They don't believe. Here's, here's, here's the two problems, right? They don't believe that they're actually condemned through the first Adam. And then they also don't believe that Christ can save them. And so they just don't care, right? It's not just the fact that they don't want Christ. It's the fact that they don't believe that they're condemned in the first place. If you don't believe that you're condemned, you'll never accept what Christ has come to bring you, right? But what does it say that we... um, he, he, he didn't come to call the, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's not here to call you if you're good enough. We talked about last week, what was the one condition of salvation? You had to be a sinner, right? He didn't come to save you if you weren't a sinner, right? Because He doesn't want to owe you anything. He only came for you if you understand that you have a need, right? Those are the two worst beliefs that any person can have in this life, that they're not actually condemned and that Christ can't actually save them. You have to make sure that that you see the contrast that Paul's uh, pointing out here. In Adam, failure is automatic. You have no choice in the matter. You're born a sinner. We know that, right? You're born that way. It's automatic. You have no choice but to fail. But in Christ, the success is dependent on you. Now, what do I mean by that? The success is dependent on you. It's not on your good works, but simply on your willingness to accept it. Right? In Christ, He says, hey, here is it. You, all you got to do is take it, but it's dependent on you. He's not going to force it on you. Why doesn't He force it on you? Well, because if He did, then it wouldn't be a gift anymore. It would be something you had to take. You see, Christ didn't want anybody going around wearing His name if they didn't want it. And that's something you really need to understand, right? He didn't want you taking His name if you didn't want it. Why? Because then you're going to decide you don't want it. It doesn't work like that. Once you get saved, you're always saved. There is no, uh, you know, oh, well, I, I'm not saved today, but I will be. No, it doesn't work like that. In Christianity, we call this grace. 
Right? We call it grace. It's something. It's getting something you don't deserve, and that you didn't. You didn't. You didn't earn it anyway. Right? Grace is coming to a courtroom bankrupt, a guilty sinner, and then seeing the judge pay your fine and leaving with your pockets full of money. That's what grace is. You showed up broken. You left full, and you thought you was going to jail because of it. And you're like, I don't even know what just happened. That's what grace is. That's what happens when you get saved. It's like I didn't know what I expected, but I didn't expect this because this is a million times better than what I expected it was going to be. If you don't know anything about that and it's never happened to you and if you didn't experience that when you got saved, then what in the world are you doing here? Right? Don't you know it's Sunday morning? You could be sleeping. Right? Or if you're not a sleeper, you could be out doing something because it's beautiful outside. Right? But don't leave now. I don't have too much. We just a little bit more time. Right? Do you know what God had to do to save you? Now you're like, yeah, I know. You had to die on the cross. You know, okay. No, I, that's not what I said. Do you know what God had to do to save you. God had to take all the sins, right? And notice that it's multiple because I know how you are and there's more than one. He had to take all the sins you accumulated before you got saved. That's a lot of stuff, right? If you're anything like me, that's a lot of stuff. All the sins you committed against Him after you got saved and all the sins that you're ever going to commit in the future, He collected all those sins at Calvary. He put them up there on the, uh, on the cross with Him with everybody else's sins just like it. That sin was punished on Calvary. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the sin that was punished on Calvary was punished individually at the moment that every sin that anyone would ever commit was born on Jesus on the cross. Anything you're ever going to do, He took it on the cross, right? That's what happened. That's what it took for you to get saved. He had to take all of that. And I couldn't even take all of my own sin, let alone the sin of the world. And that's what He did. That's what He had to do. One sin can kill you. We know that, right? Adam ate the fruit and he died. So can you imagine the agony of Christ on, the, on Calvary bearing all the sin of the world? That was a hell that could never be experienced by anyone outside of God Himself. You have to understand that. It's, it's important. And eternity in hell does not match the punishment that Jesus took on Calvary. You might say, well, I've got to go to hell because I didn't accept Him. Well, that's nothing compared to what Christ had to deal with. Not even close. Here's something that maybe you need to hear. Christians don't serve God properly because they don't appreciate what happened at Calvary. Christians don't serve God properly the way He deserves it because they don't really appreciate what happened on Calvary. They, they just don't. They don't. They want the good out of it, but they don't want the bad out of it. So that's the first contrast. What's the next? Here's the next contrast you're going to see. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more... They which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Right? So he's basically saying if, if by one man everybody is going to die, much more are we going to receive abundance of grace if, if Christ came. Right? So here's your second contrast. Death reigned and righteousness reigned. Right? We see that death reigned and then we see that righteousness reigned. In Adam, death reigned, but in Christ, righteousness reigns. In Adam, we're all guaranteed to die. I think you guys know that by now, right? You're guaranteed. I've never heard of anyone who's been able to sidestep death. Not even a little bit, right? Even cats got nine lives and they still die, right? You, know, you see them on the side of the road. It's what happens. But in Christ, now we, we, don't, we don't sweat the small stuff. You're like, what's the small stuff? Well, death is the small stuff. I don't sweat the small stuff anymore. Where, where, uh, whereas all the world is caught up in worry about death, right? Oh my gosh, the, the coronavirus is going to get me, or oh my gosh, this is going to happen, or that's going to happen. It's, it's good to take precautions. You know, they're all caught up in what, though? About death. They don't want to tell you that's what they're caught up in, but that's what they're caught up in. They're all caught up in death. In Christ, we don't, we don't have to worry anymore. Where death was reigning and ruling our thoughts and our actions, now in Christ, righteousness is reigning because we're past that stuff, man. We don't have to, we don't sweat the small stuff anymore. Here's the point you need to understand though, just in case you didn't catch it from the previous point, right? There, there's a condition to salvation. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I always heard salvation, there was no conditions, right? There's a condition to salvation. The most important thing you could ever understand in this life is that even though Christ died for the whole world, the benefit of His death are not applied to the whole world. Why not? Why are the benefits of His death not applied to everybody? Somebody tell me why not. Give me a, a guess. Because everybody doesn't accept it. If everybody accepted it, it would be applied to everybody. But it's only there if people accept it. 
Does that make sense? I don't want you to think that, oh my gosh, I've got to do something to get saved. That's not what I'm talking about. But the benefits of Christ only come when you accept it. He can come and say, here, here's a free gift, but that gift doesn't benefit you if you don't take it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm throwing down? Because it only comes from the fact that when you accept it, He can die for the sin of the world, and guess what? You're still going to burn in hell if you don't accept it. There's no benefit to that. So don't think that, oh my God, no, that's not the way the Bible says that you that Christ, you know, He died and His benefit benefits everybody. No, it doesn't. If you don't apply it to your life, there is no benefit. Right? They they're they're trying their 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 hardest, right? The little science guys, you know, Bill Nye and his crew are trying their hardest to uh, come up with uh, some uh, something that they can stick in your arm uh, to make you not get this virus, right? And, and they're trying their, their bestest at it, right? So they can get it, and you can know that it's going to work. Now, we can talk about whether you do that or not a different time. I don't care, right? But you can know that this thing's going to work. Well, guess what? If you don't take it, you're still going to get it, right? If you don't, it's the same thing. Christ says, here, here's the answer. You don't have to worry anymore. There is no death anymore. Yeah, but I don't know. Okay, well, then there's no benefit to you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I hope you don't think that I'm uh, way off track here. But man, the benefit of Christ only comes when you accept the benefit of Christ. Not everybody's going to get saved. Only those who receive the abundance of grace are going to get saved. Because only they that have obtained God's perfect, uh, because only they will have obtained God's perfect righteousness. You're not going to have God's perfect righteousness if you don't get saved. You can try your best at it. You're not going to get there. These people who get that, that get God's perfect righteousness, they're going to be the equivalent to what the Bible calls the elect, right? And we're going to get into that discussion in chapter 9, so I don't even want to start because that's going to be a long, drawn-out process because we're going to have to make sure we all understand that thing, right? But we'll get there. But that's what we're talking about. They will be the innumerable number that God had in mind from the beginning of time, right? That would be what uh, Genesis chapter 11 calls the fullness of the Gentiles, right? When the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. What is that number? Well, we can argue about what that number is. I'll tell you this though that number when it gets met the trumpet sounds and we're out of here that's what I do know right we can well I'm not even going to get there right you want more talk about that jump into D2 there really are some cool things in D2 so we can we can chat about that too not today They're the innumerable number that God had in mind from the beginning of time right that's what these people are that means salvation is available to all I'll put it this way to make you to, to to help you. Salvation is available to all, but it's not automatically applied to all. It's available to everybody, but it's not automatic, automatically applied. In Adam, guess what? Sin's available to all, and it's automatically applied. You get it on it. You don't have to sign up, right? It comes factory equipped with that new car you just bought. It just comes. That's just the way it is, right? And it doesn't. It's just there. That's just how it is. It's not like your AC, it doesn't quit working sometimes. Sin always works, I promise. No portion, no, no portion. No person is forced to submit to Jesus Christ as his or her king. Nobody is. But man, it's available to anybody who wants it. Righteousness and salvation is available to all, but it's attainable only by those who exercise faith in Christ. Let me say that again, just to make sure those of you who are in the back heard me. Righteousness and salvation, those are available to all. But they're only obtainable by those who exercise faith in Christ. Who say what? They, they do what? They confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus. Right? We'll get into that in coming chapters. Right? That's what you've got to do to get saved. You've got to confess. Right? You, those are the things that happen when you get saved. There's confession with the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Right? There is no, well, yeah, I think he's a good dude. That doesn't get you there. It's confession that I'm a sinner. I'm not good enough. But man, if you're going to offer it to me, I'll take it. Yeah, you died. You were buried. Those are good things. But the great thing is that you raised again the third day. And because I believe that, you're telling me I can raise again too. Praise Jesus. I'll take that. I'll take that gift. Okay, well, that's what we're talking about here. That's the difference. Paul wants you to understand that there's a, there's a contrast here. In, in Adam, you get this, but in Adam, you get this. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? And this is important to understand as we move forward. Here's the third one. The third contrast, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men unto condemnation. You might be like, these, these verses all say the same thing in different words. Well, they kind of do. 
But man, he's really wanting you to get something. It goes on to say, even so by the righteousness of one, talking about the second Adam, Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Right? Are you starting to see what Paul's doing here? Right? Are you starting to see what he's doing here? He's proving out what most of you already learned in D1. Right? Most of you already got this. That you're either in one of two families. You're in Adam's family or you're in the family of Christ. Right? You're in one or the other. And we're not talking about, you know, the Adams family. I'm talking about you're in Adam's family. You're in sin. That's just the way it is. And there is no in-between. There is no purgatory between one family and the other. It doesn't work like that. You're in Adam or you're in Christ. That's what he's trying to show you. you really got to get this. It seems pretty simple by the evidence that Paul presents which family is better. Yet so many in the world, they don't want anything to do with it. Well, that's their problem, Jason. Wrong. Wrong. It might be their problem. It might be their problem. But it's not their problem until they die. Right? It really isn't. It, it, and I've told lost people this, and you might be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. If you're not going to receive Christ, you better have all the fun you can have right now. Because this is all you get. Man, you better live it up, brother. Well, I can do all these things that you can't, Jason. You're wrong again. Right? I'm holding my party off until eternity. Right? Because I can do it forever. You better have all the fun you can have right now. Because this is all you get. Right? You, well, that's their problem, Jason. No, it's your problem. Because Christ said, what are you supposed to do? You know, go you therefore and sit in the church pew and hear good preaching and never do anything about it? No, that's not in the version that I read, right? It says, go you therefore and teach all nations. Right? Get out there and tell somebody about it. It's your problem. It's not theirs. It's our job to tell them what they need to do or, or, or to tell them why they need something great. Right? But I'm getting off track here. Getting off track. Back to the list. One more thing before we get back to it. You might be wondering why Paul's spending so much time trying to explain with all these comparisons. Because like I said, it seems like these verses all kind of say the same thing in different words, right? In, in this, in Adam you get this, in Christ you get this. Okay, I, get the, I get the point. Right? Christ is better. Okay, well, he's trying, to, he's trying to get you to understand something. Right? The next two chapters is going to be imperative for you to understand the difference between the two, between Adam and Christ. You have to understand this. Between life and death, between Adam and Christ, between the flesh and the spirit, because between God's will and your will, right? You have to under you it's imperative. If you don't get that, then chapter six and seven are gonna like just blow right over your head. You know, you have to understand the way, and hopefully you've seen it so far, the way Paul wrote the book of Romans, and it just really builds on itself. Okay, well, he had to get this in here before chapter 6 and 7, because if he didn't, then chapter 6 and 7 really aren't going to... You're going to be like, what's, what's the point here? That's why he's doing this. That's where all these come from. Okay, the next contrast is this, number 3. In Adam, you get judgment to condemnation, and in Christ, you get justification of life. I'll say it again. In Adam, you get judgment... To condemnation, it's right there in the text. And in Christ, you get justification of life. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you asked. What does that mean? Paul says, okay, I don't think you're tracking with me. You know, Paul, I, I think he's, you know, he's just like, I, don't, I know you're hearing me, but I don't think you're really hearing me. I don't think you're tracking with me here. So let me see if I can help you out. Let me make this a little more simple for you, right? What is the one thing that Adam did that was wrong? Right? What's the one thing that he did was wrong? Well, some of you, some of you are going to say, "Well, he ate the fruit." Right? Okay. Well, you're you're correct, but you're incorrect as well, because what he really did was he disobeyed. Right? He disobeyed. The particular sin isn't what gets you. Right? We talked about this last week or the week before. It, it's the fact that we're disobedient. Right? The fact that we're disobedient that we can't. Just simply obey. That's what got him. That's what got him. God said what? One thing, don't do this. What did he do? He did it. Okay, well we can look at the in particular the particular thing and it's 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 the same thing. He disobeyed, right? He wasn't obedient. You can have all this other stuff, Adam. He disobeyed. Right? He just didn't obey. Paul says, okay, just, just stop there. Because that's all you need to know. He's like, okay, I, I know you're having trouble understanding me here, so let me make this simple. What did, what did Adam do that was wrong? 
he was disobedient. Okay, then that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Paul says, stop trying to examine his life and weigh out his good from his bad. Well, he did a lot of good things, Jason. All he did was eat that one. Okay, that's where the world, that's what the world does. That's where the world goes wrong. Right? But you need to understand one thing. Adam's judgment comes from his simple disobedience. That's all it took. His simple disobedience is all it took for judgment to come on all humanity. So in Adam, we get the same thing. Because we're the same way. So what do we get? Condemnation. Right? We get condemnation. That's what it says. It's right there in the, in the text, guys. But in Christ, it's so much better. When you choose Christ, and when you choose obedience, you now have what the Bible calls justification. Meaning you're off the hook. Let me say that again. When you choose Christ, and when you choose obedience over disobedience, you now have what the Bible calls justification. It means you're off the hook, bro. You had a death sentence. Let me put it this way. You had a death sentence, but Christ stepped in, and he verified your alibi, right? He stepped in the courtroom. You were on death row. They were going to like shoot that needle up in you and you was going to die, right? Because they don't do the electric chair anymore. That's just, okay. But you, death sentence it was. But you're like, but I didn't do it. But nobody could verify you. But what did Christ do? He stepped in and he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jason. Yeah, he was with me that day. He couldn't have done it, right? He couldn't have done it. He verifies your alibi. Now your story is justified. You're no longer on death row. That's what has happened, right? Christ stepped in and said, yeah, yeah, he's, he's good, right? He's taking care of it. No, he, he wasn't. No, he wasn't in sin. I took care of that. It's all good, right? No more sin. God says no longer, um, God is no longer worried about your particular sin. Now track with me here. God's no longer worried about your particular sin. So stop talking about you don't even like fruit, right? Because I know that's what you're saying. Well, I don't even like apples, so whatever. Okay, he's not, in, he's, not, he's not worried about your particular sin. God's into simple obedience, right? God's into simple obedience. You might be like, what are you talking about? God, yeah, he cares about sin. No, follow me here. Because some, this might be new to somebody. This might be new to somebody. The death of Christ has so satisfied the demands of God that God is no longer holding men's sin against them. What? What? Track with me. The death of Christ has so satisfied the demands of God that God's no longer holding the, the particular sin against them. What God is now holding against man is the rejection of the gift of His Son. Right? It's the rejection of His Son that's going to get you. You were born a sinner, so you can sin it up at this point. You, you were condemned before you ever knew what you were doing. Right? What, what, what you've got now and what God's going to hold against you now is the rejection of His Son. Let me, let me explain it this way. When people stand before God at the great white throne judgment, well, who, where does that happen? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Anybody who doesn't accept Christ is going to stand at that judgment. Anybody who is saved gets the judgment seat of Christ. It's a different, different time, different everything, okay? But the great white throne, that's for anybody who isn't saved. They stand before God. They try to pour out their heart about how good they really were and they don't really deserve death and they really probably ought to get to heaven because, man, they were a good person. Well, guess what? When they stand before God at the great white throne judgment, it's not going to be the fact that they were an alcoholic or a drug addict or that they were prideful that gets them into hell. That's not what gets them there. No, it's going to be the simple fact that they rejected Christ. That's, that's all it's going to be. Right? Because here's why. All the good you did in life might outweigh the fact that you were an alcoholic. All the good you did in life might outweigh the fact that you went through six wives while you were here. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, all the good you've done, they might equal up to enough to cover that. But nothing covers the fact that you didn't accept the one thing that He provided. Right? And so, don't, don't get me wrong. God cares about sin. Right? Because that's what condemns you. But it's not the particular stuff anymore, guys. It's the fact that you just didn't accept what could have redeemed all of it. You've got you to track with that. It's important to understand moving forward. It's not the particular sin that gets you into hell. It's simply rejecting Christ that's going to get you there. Moving on, number four. I've got to get moving. Okay, uh, verse 19. Uh, For as by one, man sin, uh, one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So here's the next one. What's the next contrast? Contrast. In Adam, disobedience made us sinners. In Christ, obedience made us righteous. 
In Adam, disobedience made us sinners. In Christ, obedience made us righteous. So I hit this pretty hard in the last point, but you do need to remember that it was not the fruit that got Adam. It was disobedience. right? And you might say, it's the chicken or the egg. Okay, whatever. You know what? It was it, Disobedience is what got him. The fruit, eating what he was told not to do, got him. And for those of you who were asleep last week and you still want to blame Eve for uh, all of it, remember this. Yeah, Eve sinned first, but she was deceived. Adam sinned willingly, and he was willingly disobedient. Right? And so, uh, no, but neither one of them is off the hook. I just want to say that. But for all of you that are like, well, if it wouldn't have been for Eve, she was deceived. Adam was just like, okay, sounds good. You know, let's do it. Come on. Look, look, look back at the text and tell me if you see the type. It says, In one man's disobedience, we were made sinners, but by one man's obedience, we were able to be made righteous. Right? The same many that were made sinners were made righteous. You know? In Christ, or in Adam, disobedience. In Christ, now you have obedience. The same many that were made sinners were made righteous. While you automatically receive the first man's disobedience in your physical genes, and your DNA, that's just the way it is, you do not automatically receive the second man's obedience. You get sin automatically. You don't get obedience automatically. You've got to do something for it. What is that? Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, right? You've got to accept it. It's a free gift only if you take it. It's the way it works. Because while disobedience is inherited, obedience is always a choice. Let me say it another way. Maybe you'll pick up what I'm what I'm saying here. It's my identification that Christ. With, I'm sorry. It's my identification with Christ that gives me the righteousness of God, and transfers me from my identification with Adam. Right. The only thing that gets you righteous is identifying with Christ. The only thing that gets you out of Adam's family is identifying with Christ. There is no working real hard at it. There is no trying real hard. There is no... what it, it doesn't work that way. The only way out is through Christ. It's your identification with Christ that gives you the righteousness of God and transfers you from your identification with Adam. You are identified with one or two men. Well, I don't want either one of them. What's your problem? Because you get one or the other. It's just the way it is. I only you, you are identified with one of the two men. It depends on who your daddy is that determines where you'll spend eternity. If you keep your original identity in the family of Adam, then you live under the condemnation of Adam. If you change families and uh, apply the cross and are identified with Christ, then you get the righteousness of Christ, which is much more than what you lost in Adam, right? So grace reigns in your life now. It's so much better. We all we, we can divide all of humanity into two groups. Honestly, you can divide all of humanity into two groups. There, uh, there are those who are still in the natural man, in Adam, and those who are in Christ and are made spiritual. In Adam, all die. In Christ, the same all that have freely received uh, the offered gift are made alive. In Christ, God made a provision by which all men can experience God and know God. That's eternal life, right? You guys know this. Are you starting to see what Paul's trying to prove now? Right? You have to choose what, uh, how you're going to identify. And I'm not talking about the bathroom, so don't even go there, right? Uh, you've got to choose how you're going to identify. But if you don't have an identity figured out, then chapter 6 and 7 are really going to throw you for a loop. So you need to know, where are you? Well, I'm in Christ. Okay, are you living it? Are you living it? Jesus Himself said, I'm going to know you by your fruit. Here's the last one. I don't have very much here. Verse 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned in death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And hallelujah. Here's your last contrast. In Adam, sin reigned unto death. But in Christ, grace reigns unto life. Well, you've already said that. Well, I said it in a different way, just like Paul did. Right? In Adam, sin reigned unto death, but in Christ, grace reigns unto life. It's pretty simple. So if you haven't tracked with me at this point, let me, let me just make it as simple as I can. In Adam, you're going to die. But in Christ, you don't have to die spiritually. Right? You don't. The law was not given to show us the way. It was given to show us we need a way. The law wasn't wasn't given, if you just do these things, you'll be good. It was given to show you you need a way. 
The law was given to teach you that you could not pass the examination. It does not relieve sin, it reveals sin. You can know all the rules of your religion and never know the way to God. The only thing that the rules of religion will do is convince you that you can't live with you can't live up to them. That's the only thing that your religion rules are going to do for you. Right? I, I heard something this week that no, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but just take this for how you will. Uh, I heard something this week that because of the coronavirus, right, and people can't get out, uh, that the Pope came out and said, you know what, because you can't come to confession to your priest, it's okay for you to go ahead and just go straight to, to Jesus on your own. Right? You can just go ahead and uh, just you can pray to Him on your own. I was like, holy smokes. We've been telling people this for how many years? It says in Hebrews, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. But And, and I guarantee the thing is, when this thing's over, they're going to be like, oh, you got to come back to your priest. And I hope people are liberated from this thing. It's crazy. The law is there to show you that you're speeding. And to show you that when you were speeding, and the state trooper gave you a ticket for that speeding, that you were going to need a lawyer to get out of it. Because you were really speeding, right? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what Christ is, right? He's your lawyer. He gives you a way out of the speeding ticket of death. But only if you allow Him to represent you. You go to court, they, they give you a public defender. But you can be like, I don't want him. Okay, well, he was going to defend you. He was going to give you a way out. But he, only if you'll take it. Adam committed one sin. Israel broke all ten, plus some. By rights, Christ's death should only pay for Adam's sin, right? Eye for an eye. But no, that's not how it worked. By God's grace, it is so much more. It pays for all sins committed before the law, under the law, and after the law. Christ's righteousness is the righteousness of God. You have to understand that because they're the same thing. Imputing it to you is the answer for your disease. It's a solution to your problem. And Christ is the answer. And you know, okay, yeah, I already know these things. Okay, well, I'm glad you know these things. And I'm glad you were here because chapter 6 and 7 are going to be a little easier for you to track with. right? Because we're going to start looking at this battle in the next couple chapters of walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh. And can I go back and forth? And really, uh, just a, a, a quick you know, spoiler alert, because we just said that basically if you're in Christ, you can do whatever you want. You're a new creature, baby. You're all good to go. So what's Paul say? And I'm just going to give you a little spoiler alert because he's like, I already know what y'all are thinking. You thought you found a loophole here. What's he say in chapter 6 and verse 1? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Does that mean I can just send it up, Paul, and, and I don't have to worry about it? Well, I'll come back next week. I'll give you the answer. Right? Because we're going to start looking at this battle of do I walk in the Spirit? Do I walk in the flesh? How do I fight this thing? We really start to look at what sanctification looks like. Right? And that's where we, that's where we need to get as the church. Right? We're, we're saved or we claim to be saved. Now what do we need to do to be sanctified? Alright, so uh, let's pray. We'll get out of here. Um, give you guys time to uh, run to your bathroom at home and then get back online to hear Brian preach. Uh, Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for your word. Uh, God, it's just... Uh, it's it's awesome to know that in a time when uh, the adversary wanted to shut down the preaching of the word, more people are hearing it than ever. And so, God, I do uh, long for the day that we can get together again, and hopefully it's soon. But uh, until then, Lord, we're just going to keep preaching the word, uh, whether uh, we're here in person, whether we're online, however it is, God, you've commanded us to do it. So, Lord, I do pray that um, these were things that we already knew, but we really can uh, know them now, and so we can get into uh, some of the sanctification process, the the battle of the flesh that we all deal with in the next couple chapters. So, uh, God, I pray you just send us out this week as lights in a dark world. You uh, use us for your honor and your glory. Lord, that we would be proclaimers of the gospel, even in a time such as this, that people would uh, know you, that they would learn you, and they would get saved. Uh, Lord, that they would apply the gift that you have right in front of them. But, man, they've just got to take it. Uh, God, I pray you just uh, use us uh, this week, Lord. Uh, Lord, we love you and thank you. We pray again for the Barnes this week uh, and everybody else who needs prayer, but they're just right on our heart. I pray that the, the delivery goes well, the babies are healthy, and uh, we look back at this and uh, say, why do we worry so much? But, uh, God, we just pray that uh, you're God in the situation. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Doug said Christ is the permanent vaccine for sin. He is. That is exactly right. Christ is the permanent vaccine for sin. Jason, I was going to say, Jesus is more like Johnny Cochran than the public defender. <laughs> 